I'm Carlos Virgen, and this is The Storyline, produced by The Day in New London, Connecticut. The death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police has spurred mass protest and unrest across the country. This week, Derek Chauvin, the officer who pressed his knee on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes, was charged with second-degree murder after previously having been charged with lesser charges. In addition, the three other officers on the scene were also arrested and charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. With this as a backdrop, we've reached out to local artists to get their thoughts on the unrest and the events that led up to it, and to ask them what they think the role of art can be during these times. In this episode, we hear from Rhonda Ward, New London's Port Laureate. She spoke to the day's Rick Coster via Zoom and shared a poem she wrote recently. This is why we're in the streets. Because you ripped us from our motherland. Because you used us to build this land. Because you never paid us for our labors. Because you sold our mothers because you sold our fathers, because you sold our children, because you raped our women, because you beat us to a pulp, because you refused to educate us, because you called us two-thirds man, because you hung us from your trees, because you killed us in the streets, because you would not let us vote, because you would not call us man, because of slumlords, because home ownership is harder for us, because public assistance breaks up our families, because the books in our schools are often outdated, because our children have no access to technology, because our neighborhoods are food deserts, because we cannot afford health care because we cannot trust you not to experiment on our bodies because you have experimented on our bodies, because you brought crack into our communities, because you poured us into your prisons, because you take our votes for granted, because you have traded trees for bullets, because you have traded trees for knees, because you do not prosecute killer cops. Talk about the impetus to write that. Did it just, was it just an explosion? Is it something, obviously you take us through the entire history of the African-American experience in this country in about 30 lines. Um, Tell me about how the poem came to be. To be very honest, I have heard so many, uh, so many people in the press ask why and why and why. And, and I think that there has been a general misunderstanding in this country of how we got to the place where, we're, where we find ourselves today. It is not simply because of George Floyd. It is totally because of the inhumanity, injustice, and disenfranchisement of African-Americans in this country 
Um, I said from the time we stepped off the boat until we were placed on those plantations until the death of George Floyd. Nothing has ever changed in this country. And I believe that Americans like to stick their heads in the sand because it's more comfortable not to see the things that are taking place. And so my goal was to show people that from slavery to Jim Crow to the death of George Floyd, this is what we've been experiencing. But also to show that to this day, we are economically, educationally, in our neighborhoods, we're disenfranchised. And that was the impetus of the poem. Do you feel as though that this actually might be a, a tipping point? What I think right now is that white America cannot believe its eyes. Um, I think that that cop in with such a cavalier attitude, knowing that he was being taped, knowing that he was killing that man. You know, he's looking at the crowd. People are begging him. George Floyd is begging him. You can't unsee that. That is a traumatizing video. And I think that is the reason that we see blacks and whites and Asians and, and, uh, and Latinos on the streets today, because you can't unsee that. So yes, I'm hopeful that this is the beginning of change, but we know that many of the things that I address in that poem are things that are gonna have to be ad uh, addressed legislatively. And so whether or not those things happen, and how long those, those things take to happen, that's a whole other story. We'll have to wait and see for that. You know, between the epidemic, the economy crashing, and the president of the United States, the reaction to George Floyd might have been similar to the reactions of all the other black men and women murdered by the police. It's just that everything is horrible right now. And because people were um, at home in this epidemic, we have the time, you know, there would be, there's a lot of people don't have to go to job, to go to jobs or whatever. And so in a, in a weird, perverse sort of way, this gave us the opportunity to respond. Is is that far-fetched or a bizarre thing to say? It is not. And I think I would add to that that families have been staying home together, becoming closer together. We have been learning to be more compassionate because we're stuck in the house with one another. And I think we have been... Um, I think our, our, our hearts have been affected by everything that's happened up to 
George Floyd. And so as people, we were prepared for compassion. We were compared, prepared, I'm sorry, to open our eyes and see what is in front of us and not put our blinders on. Um, had this happened at any other time? I don't know. But I will say that that video, you can't look at that and not feel something. You can't. Artists are inspired by a lot of things. I, I know uh, novelists or songwriters that get up. Their discipline is I'll get up and I'll write a chapter today or I will write a song today. And I think that's just part of the being a creative person. Are there different qualities of inspiration as the emotions you felt when you wrote this poem? Well, let me, let me say, um, on April 24th, I lost my best friend in life. We'd been friends for 41 years. She died of cancer. And I wrote an elegy for her. That's a different feeling because that was written out of my love for her and the fact that I will miss her presence in this world. Whereas, um, you know, why, why we're in the street, this is why we're in the streets. I was angry. That was a poem written out of sheer anger. But, you know, you have, we have to, as, as artists of any stripe, try to temper our anger in, in order to be creative and effective in our creativity. Um, I generally don't write angry poems. Um, I am generally careful about what I want to put out into the universe. But at the same time, sometimes life just comes at you um, like a Mack truck. That poem was written probably in the span of about 20 minutes, although the background for it was written the day before in about 30 minutes, because the reality of being Black in America is simple for black people in America. We know what the problem is here, you know? And so it wasn't hard for me to pinpoint the issues, but it was, I will say, hard for me to share that. I have another friend in Cleveland who um, asked me today, are they gonna use your real name? And I said, why would you ask that question? She said, because of people and the way they respond to the truth. That's another thing I had to con consider when I put that up. You know, I and all artists are inspired by everything around us, you know. And when we are moved in a moment, that is probably some of the most honest artistic expression that we make. You, you can't get more honest than that because we're delving into the deepest of our emotions, whether it be about 
expressing anger toward hatred or expressing love to, to, about someone we have lost. We are lucky in New London in that it is sort of a, more than a lot of cities, particularly on the eastern side of the state. Uh, again, Colton used the phrase a melting pot more yes, than a lot is. of them. And it is a very, I've been here 22 years, it is a very artistic community yes, with right. a lot of interaction between the various artistic disciplines. And I think we might get it more than other communities, but tell me how you think in, in times like this, arts can actually really soothe and inspire the community at large. By sharing our voices, and sharing them honestly by speaking up, not just in our art form, but with our everyday voices. This is how, you know, artists, yes, I mean, we can write songs and poems and we can make paintings and sculptures, and, but not everybody is inspired by the arts. And so there do come times when we have to raise our voices as human beings and take advantage of the platforms that we have as artists to make people aware, you know, to help affect change. This is um, what we see when we see popular entertainers using their platform to not sing a song, but to say what is real. This is, the, this is the responsibility, the duty of people who do happen to have any kind of platform, regardless of how small or large. It is our duty to raise our voice, not just with our art, but in our reality as well. What would you tell the youngsters, the younger people, the younger artists, to give them maybe a little hope, a little positive to carry on in the light of what is a very, very bleak history to this point. I have a son, he's angry. He is, he also writes. I have told him to pour his anger into his writing. I, I would say to young people, keep the protests going. People can't keep their blinders on forever. Now that we have gotten the attention in such a sad way of America, particularly white America, don't back down. Don't stop. Keep your voice out there. Keep protesting. Keep being heard. We cannot be ignored forever. But you have to understand that the frustration of these young people, we're, when we're young, we're, we have so much hope. We think we can do anything and everything. And then 
Trayvon Martin happens. And then Sandra Bland happens. And then George Floyd happens. And in between all those other things, we never see justice. It's like our lives don't matter. And when we start a movement like Black Lives Matter, then we have people like Hillary Clinton coming out and saying, all lives matter. If all lives mattered, why are Black people being killed at such enormous rates? If all lives matter, why are Black and Brown people overcrowded in our prisons and jails? We have to encourage our young people to not give up, but not to stop. Keep the pressure on. And another thing, one of the things that that poem points out is that politicians take our votes for granted. They do. It's a fact. We need to demand things from our politicians. Our votes can't be for free anymore. We just cannot afford to do that anymore. We need to protest peacefully. At the same time, a lot of these corporations are complicit. And I believe that anyone who has put their blinders on, having seen what we've all seen over the course of years and years and years, are also complicit. You cannot put your blinders on while a man is shot in the back as he's running from a cop. You don't shoot a man in the back. We all saw that. But here we are at George Floyd. We have to keep the fight going. That's what I'm telling my son. But I'm also telling him to do this in constructive ways. Yes, get out there and protest. Yes, protest peacefully. No, don't go home yet, okay? Don't go home. Even if they arrest these three cops, don't go home yet. Stay in the streets. Go get what we could not get. We, as a generation, could not get a full accounting of justice from this country. And here we are from slavery into the 21st century. And we're still dealing with the same things. I will not tell our young people not to protest. I will not tell them to sit down. I will tell them, them to stand up and keep standing. And if you sit, sit in the streets. Don't go home. Stay out there. Obey the laws. Respect people's property. Represent black people in a way that we can be proud of. I need to say that. But don't go home and don't give up. There is hope. The eyes of the world are open. The world is protesting with us. And the world is seeing what we've been seeing all along. That black people in America are not even treated as people in most cases. You know, 
If you're a white woman and you cross the street because you are about to pass two black guys on the street, shame on you. You're a part of the problem, yes. People and white people need to understand and look at themselves, not just through the lens of, of George Floyd, but through the lens of racism in America and their complicity in that. If you're afraid of a black man because he's a black man, you have a problem. We have a problem with you. You're a part of the problem. White people in America, white Americans, I should say it that way, should do some self-examination. This is the time for that. We don't have time anymore. We, I have been, I have had a lump in my throat from constantly being on the verge of tears. Don't think it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, the young people. It's not. It's all of us. And if you are the mother of a black man, you constantly worry. My son's anger is scary for me. It's scary. Because I don't want him going out there getting in the face of a cop. Because I know what cops do to black men. We all, we have to speak up and white America has to examine its own complicity in the, in the disenfranchisement, the abuse of black people in this country. To the young people, stay out there, do your thing, don't give up, keep marching, keep speaking up. Hope, we have hope. We have allies. Keep our allies engaged as well. Don't just see these, you know, your, your white or, you know, counterparts in these protests, but have a conversation with them. Give them an opportunity to express themselves. Give them a piece of your experience. You know, my son, I raised my son in West Hartford, Connecticut, and um, he, uh, his friends are the rainbow. And uh, he has a friend who is a, a, a white woman. She's married, she has two kids. She said she wanted to put a Black Lives Matter um, uh, poster on her yard, in her yard. But she said she was afraid of backlash. You know, my son wanted to be angry with her, but he said to her, I understand you only because I see you trying to protect your children from the backlash you might receive. And because she understood his understanding, she put the placard out. We have to communicate with one another. We cannot be silent, but it's not just on black people. White people need to reach out to us as well, to try to understand, to break this cycle of fear of black men. That's a, that is an amazing problem in this country. Amazingly, we have not gotten over the fear of black men. Why is that? I have no idea. But to our young black people, men and women, hang in there. 
Keep protesting. Stand up. Keep it going. Keep it going on social media. Keep it going out here in the real world. There is hope. People are listening. Let's keep their ears open. That's what I would say.